Welcome to Revelation Rock. I was uh, distracted by my youngest son. I didn't catch the ending of worship there. What a good time, though. I was a good bunch of singing. Thank you all. How's everybody doing today? It's a beautiful day. It's not a thousand degrees. Fall's not here, but it's on the way. I'm going to, let's pray before we get started. Bow with me if you would. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be alive today, to be here spending time with each other, listening to the kids play and make noise, learn, study your word to worship you, Lord. The world may look at our Sunday morning or our time of worship and they may say it's just an emotional experience or just whipping up emotions, but Father, we know that you are here with us. We see it in your word. We thank you so much that you've given us emotions, not as a way to guide our lives, but as a way to help us experience life. Father, I thank you that each of us was created in your image. Thank you for your word. Opportunity we have to take a few minutes this morning, study it a little bit, not, not as all of our Bible study for the week, but just to look into it a little bit and see some more truth that you've revealed into our lives. Lord, I thank you most of all for the gospel, the simple gospel that is able to save the soul. We can believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved forever. Father, I thank you that you were so clear all through scripture on this gospel. Pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Again, welcome to our family room. If you're visiting uh, this morning, we invite you to participate as family. That's, this is the, if you're here and you don't like peach coffee, this is not your day, and this is the family room, so you're allowed to say, I don't care for peach coffee, Paula. I love peach coffee. So I just want to shout out a thanks to Nick for getting us some peach coffee. For those of you concerned, we probably won't have it next week. But it is a family room. Like, we can laugh. We can joke a little bit. We can, we can spend time. We can even steal things from the people that preached last week. I want to shout out to Trey for preaching. The word that he brought last week was big. I had a lot of thoughts. I had a whole bunch. Yes. Thank you. I had a lot of thoughts. Uh, I, I thought of a sports metaphor this morning. To, it, yeah, I some people shocked. It's, no, it may be misapplied, and we could be in the wrong season. But I thought of it this morning that Trey got all of us on a base somewhere, and I get to be the cleanup batter. Is that the proper? Is that, I get to bring everybody home. That was good. Is it baseball season? Is it close to baseball season? So it fits. We're keeping it. He got all of us. There were so many different places where you could get off and stay last week where it was like, oh, wow, that's really big. That's good. That's clear. I, I need that today. But then there was all along different things that he shared. And there's a couple things. That's actually, actually we're going to look at most of what we're going to look at comes from what he shared last week. And since it's our family room, family room, we're free to do that. I got a picture. <clears throat> I like pictures and metaphors. And uh, I was going to bring one along, but I forgot it at home. But you all, you all have them in your houses. They're here today. In fact, they were just used over there. Anybody familiar with a light switch? Anybody ever used one? You can raise your hands. or you get, We can just go home, too. I've, everyone seems to be sleeping. <laughs> Jane has a light switch. All right, uh, Tom or Danny, you guys can pick. Anybody can jump in here. But what does a light switch do? That the, so the lights are off, and then you flip it, and then they're on. It connects. What would you call that? It starts with a C. A circuit. So circuit is a short word for circuit, circuitous, circuitous, something like that goes round and round. It's the idea. It's, 
starts in one spot and ends back at that same spot. And a light switch, when it's in the off position, breaks a circuit. It's not able to complete the loop. When I think of circuits, so you can have the most exquisite electric appliances today. I mean, you, I mean, you have the best. You can have lights all through your house, fans, HVAC, everything. I mean, just loaded your, load your house out with electronics. But if you never flip the main breaker, the switch, to complete the circuit, you'll never enjoy any of those things. That's, you can have, I mean, I mean, a beautiful home with great furnace, nice air conditioning. Now today, no one's thinking of air conditioning, but a week ago, we were thinking of air conditioning. And imagine that you have air conditioning, and it's got Freon in it, and it's red in your house, and you got, I mean, it's beautiful, new filters and everything. It's 1,000 degrees outside and full of humidity, and if you never throw the breaker to complete the circuit, to send the hot, like Danny said, it connects the hots, completes that circuit so that everything in that air conditioner can run, even though you've got all of this stuff, you never connect that circuit, you're never going to enjoy it. This is going to be hot. You just be hot and poor because expensive air conditioners are expensive. But you won't enjoy it. You're not going to have any of, the, any of the joy from it. When I think of the body of Christ, I'm going to jump around a little bit on what I, I kind of changing my order up. But everybody, you didn't know that until I told you. <laughs> I forgot to tell you. I forgot to not tell you. <clears throat> It seems that in the church today, in Christianity today, we do this thing, we practice this, and we hone the craft of weeping with those who weep. We're good at that, aren't we? I mean, there's entire positions in the body of Christ that are about weeping with those who weep. You could have a, a pastor of visitation, and I'm not picking on churches that have a pastor of visitation. That's a legitimate position where all you do, it's like you're not going to the victories. You're just going to the defeats. Just going around, we're going to sit with you and help you process defeat today. We pre- now, there's not a lot of churches that have a pastor of celebrations. It's like, well, we got the visitation pastor and the celebration pastor. It's just a defeat one. It's, and I'm not, that sounds like I'm throwing stones. I'm not throwing stones at anybody. I just want us to like, think about this. We're pretty good at weeping with those who weep. It's like you might be sitting there today and think, well, hey, you know what? I got a verse for that. I know the verse that says weep with those who weep. We're going to get to that verse. There's another part of it too. The other thing that we're really good at is making our requests known to God. We're good at that, aren't we, in the church? We do, and, and this is all, this is, so some of this will be redundant on what Trey shared last week, but I, it's for a purpose, it's for a reason. We're really good at making our requests known to God. How many of you have ever heard where it's like you go around, it's like, what's some prayer requests? And this good, this is, we got verses for this too. Can I get an amen? We got verses for making your requests known to God. You know what? I got a verse for that. Somebody sent it to me this week. I'm going to send it to somebody else so that they know that they can take their request to God. And then if something doesn't work out, I'll be there to weep with them or I'll send them the, the person or the link or the message about weeping with those who weep. As I think about this, you, you're thinking, okay, we're, 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 just bear with me. What are we doing We present our requests to God, and we weep with those who weep, which gives us the appearance of defeated defeatists celebrating our defeat. We make our requests known to God, and then we celebrate our defeats. Well, we're going to weep with those who weep. And, by all, and then bring, now think about this, just step outside, and I know we got verses for this stuff, and we're going to look at the verses, we're going to look at a whole bunch of scripture that you got this morning, but I want us to think about this, this I paint this picture, this is where we find ourselves today, step out of all of the Christianity that you've grown up with, I'm not talking about renouncing your faith, but just for a minute in your imaginator, step out and think, wow, that's interesting, would you want to participate with that group of folks? We're going to bring our requests. We make our requests known to God. It's like, God, we're going to pray for 
this person's sick and that person's financial thing and that person's vocation and this situation in the world and this government problem and this, we're going to make all these requests known to God and then we're looking for anybody who's got any other problems that, that didn't, any of the things we maybe brought the request last week and they didn't pan out and so we're going to weep with you. Would you, be, would you walk into that environment and would you, would you say, I really want to participate in this. This is good. It's like, would you stop and think, what happens to the requests? Would you, would you do a little bit of analysis in your heart and say, like Tom's brought requests every week. He's brought this request about this, this Steve, this guy is he's sick. And then the next week, we don't know what happened to Steve, but he brings another request. And this John guy, this is John, he's got problems. And it's, well, what happened to John? The next week, he brings another guy. And it's, what's happening to these people? You stop and think, like, I don't know what's going on. We just, he just brings another guy and we pray for him. And then somebody's, we're just weeping with all the problems we're, we're supporting and we're, uh, we tend to reinforce and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We, we encourage people in this weeping. Now, I am absolutely for weeping with those who weep. There is a time under heaven for all these different things. And as I shared when I was praying, God has given us emotions not to guide our lives, church, but to help us experience life. You know, your emotions are from God. You're created in his image. I'm not saying every emotion you ever feel is from God. I'm saying the ability to participate in emotional things is a gift from God, but it's not meant to be your guiding force, which this is not popular in 2023 <laughs> uh, anywhere. I mean, left, right, center, middle. It's like, what do you mean? It's just not popular. But our emotions rather were meant to be part of how we, were, how we experience life. It's the way that we feel with each other. That's an experience. It's not to be our guiding light. The word of God is to be our guiding light. I'm for weeping with those who weep. I'm for rejoicing with those who rejoice. If you've got your Bibles, I should have given you the scripture you could have been turning there. Romans chapter 12, we're going to read verses 9 through 21, and it will be familiar because we read it last week. We're going to read it again, and we're not by any stretch of anyone's imagination going to do everything, we're not talking about everything that's in this. But I, I don't like to just, I don't like to proof text things where you have an idea and then you just go to the Bible and look for a verse that sort of supports it. It's proof texting, it's a very weak sauce, it's very popular today, but it's a very weak sauce way to understand scripture and you end up in weird places with wrong doctrine. We're, we wanna look at this in the context in the circumstances of where it was written, who, who wrote it, who it was written to, and we're not gonna do an hour study on the book of Romans, but Paul wrote this book to a, a group of believers, possibly several groups, probably several groups of believers, and, and this isn't just a standalone chunk. Like this isn't, we're not reading this, and this was one letter. He wrote a few verses to this group of believers. No, this is, this is in the middle of a letter, and a lot of times, we read it and we like we got this verse. It's like, well, this is my life verse. It's like, well, what was the verse before it? What was the context? What was going on when you sent that letter? So Paul's explaining basic foundational doctrine for the first about two-thirds of the book of Romans. I mean, laying it out. The, how sin works and has worked and affects the world. How the law didn't work to make us righteous. The arrival of grace on the scene. And we get into this chunk of Romans chapter 12, and everybody in here is familiar with a couple of verses in Romans 12. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. We know those. We memorize those. And those are awesome verses. You see in even just those verses, we've kind of gotten to the point in Paul's letter where he's, he's established a few things. He's laid some big things out. I mean, he set the cornerstone in the corner of the building. And now, he, now he's drawing the rest of the lines. He's stretching strings and he's laying a blueprint out for what? Christian living. 
This is not super popular in a lot of circles of Christianity either. Like, what do you mean Christian? There's a way that we can live. Now, this way that we can live, it's not like, well, if you don't live this way, you're cast from the kingdom of God. That's not what this is talking about. This is just instruction. It's like, you've been born again. Now, I want to help you with how to live this out. You know, we've talked, there's a purpose to how we live as a believer. You know that, right? The purpose isn't just to get a better life here. The purpose for how we live as believers is to further the gospel going forth. That's the purpose, to fulfill that which we've been commissioned to do. Jesus gave us the commission to go into all the world, to preach the gospel to all creatures, all nations, all creeds, all people. It's everything in our life is about making that gospel go forth. There's a reason for this. But we get down in here a little bit further into Romans chapter 12, and we see just instructions. These, are, these aren't commandments. And, and the church, and I've, I've, we've preached about this before. We're not going to, I'm going to try not to. Paul's instructions aren't Mosaic commandments. They're important. They're in Scripture, and we need to follow, seek them, understand them, let the Holy Spirit reveal how that is for us today. How many of you know we don't live in Rome? How many of you know we don't live in the first century? So we can't read this like Paul wrote it yesterday and emailed it to us at Revelation Rock. We got to have some discernment. We got to have some wisdom. We got to understand context, even beyond just the context of the words before a verse and the words after a verse. We got to understand what all was going on. This is important. This is being a steward of the Word of God. Not just cherry picking verses and putting them on our Facebook or, I don't know, is Facebook a thing still? I can't. Whatever the thing is that you're posting to, it's like, well, this is a good verse, makes me feel good. Don't know who it's for. I guess we'll say it's for me. Maybe it's for somebody else, but I'll claim it. Maybe it was not even a good thing. <laughs> There's that stuff that goes on. But I just, I just want us to understand, this, is, this was crafted carefully to a group of believers who had the foundation laid in the first chunk of Romans. And now we're on to the part, part where he's like, there's the cornerstone, let's build from there. Pick up in verse 9 of chapter 12. We see Paul write, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil, shun it, and cling to that which is good. Verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, Fervent in the Spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Verse 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Verse 18, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Verse 19, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. Yield to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you'll heap coals of fire upon his head. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, we added chapter verses. And so that's the end of that chapter, verse 21. And it does summarize a bunch of what Paul was getting at. He goes on, and we're not going to get into chapter 13, but this flows as one letter. But I love that verse 21 sort of overarching, all of this to say, don't be overcome by evil. Verse 17, you see the ties to verse 21. Repay no one evil for evil. Don't be overcome by evil. What's one way to not be overcome by evil? 
Don't, don't use it as a form of payment. We're not gonna pay somebody back evil for evil. Verse nine we see, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. Shun it, keep it away from us. Cling to what is good. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How many of you don't wanna be overcome by evil this morning? Like, we've got that foundation, we've got that same cornerstone, we studied the book of Romans. If you're here today and you don't have a Bible, come see me afterwards, I'm guessing you do, or you've got a Bible app, and you, you can read Romans 1, Romans 2, Romans 3, Romans 4, Romans 8. Read all through this, we get that cornerstone set, and it's in place. And now we get to this point, and it's like, all right, there's a lot in here. We could spend like a decade. We could say, we're just gonna spend a decade and we're gonna read Romans 12 just every Sunday, and that's gonna be our sermon. And at the end of the decade, we would be like a lot further along. This is good stuff, and it's deep, and it's not easy. And so we're not gonna exhaust this whole thing this morning, but I want to look at verse 14, and this is the verse that jumped out the most at me of what Trey preached last week. Sorry, verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. When we rejoice with those who rejoice, we complete the circuit. We talked about circuits and switches. Some of you were like, what are we doing with circuits and switches? We're understanding that this is a circuit here. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. It's not one or the other. It's, it's a circuit. When all we do is weep with those who weep, we look insane. We have to rejoice with those who rejoice. And how many of you know that when we start rejoicing with those who rejoice, it becomes easier to do what Paul wrote to the church in Philippians chapter four, verses four through seven says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Now, always means always, always. Rejoice in the Lord always. That means there's days things aren't going right. Rejoice. Not because things aren't going great. This is not rocket science. But you can rejoice even when things aren't going great. This is simple, guys. And I know many of you are like, we're going to get some new ground? Probably not. This is all going to be review. We all know this. But we're going to review it anyways. Verse 5, let your gentleness be known to all men. Another word, another translation reads, let your graciousness be known to all men. I like both of those words, so I like to have both of them in there. Let your gentleness, let your graciousness be known to all men. All men that are your friends? Nope, just says all men. All men that are on your side? Nope, just all men. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Well, there, we can all just go home now. Highlight that verse and we'll just go home. First part of verse six of Philippians four. You guys have a great week. Be anxious for nothing. Nothing? Obviously, Paul had no idea what was coming in 2023. There's no way he could have seen what was coming. He would make an exemption for us, right? Have you ever ever been there, though, where you you read this and and it's like, ah, that's that's not like what we're going through, like, I don't think he meant what we're going through. I think he probably meant something else. Be anxious. There's got to be a disqualifier. Everything. Oh, no disqualifiers. Be anxious for nothing. I guess we're stuck with it, church. Be anxious for nothing. But what? In everything, and implied in that is in everything that we would be anxious for. Do you see this? It's not just like be anxious for nothing, but in place of anxiety... You get, it's like exchange it. It's like you feel like, oh boy, I'm starting to feel anxious. Okay, wait a second. What did we read in Philippians chapter four? Exchange that anxiety for what? Prayer and supplication. Wait, with thanksgiving? But I was feeling anxious. Well, choose to be thankful in that moment. Let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, will stand guard on your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is rich. This is, and what we do, what we, I I feel like what we've kind of done in application, maybe not 
Maybe not in doctrine. Maybe no one's written this out and said what we should do is just present our request to God and then weep with those who weep. But what we've done, we've cherry-picked. We've taken out of, out of Romans chapter 12, verse 15, we're like, well, let's just do the weep with those who weep part because how can, I mean, I don't know, rejoicing. Trey talked about this last week. We struggle to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. What we tend to do when someone is rejoicing is throw things at them. Not physical things sometimes, but not all the time. Usually it's just our thoughts or our words. It, have you ever heard one of my, I, Trey knows this, but one of my least favorite sentences that people say. You'll be in a group of people with somebody and somebody who's winning, they're at the top of their game. Maybe it's Jerry. He just finishes part of his pond and you're talking and other people are around and he's just, and it looks beautiful. And he's telling us like, man, it's really nice. I got my ski course in. It's super fun. And then he's like, all right, well, you guys have a great day. And he walks away and Todd and I are standing there and Todd's like, must be nice. Must be nice. I can't stand that sentence. It must be nice. No. How about that is awesome. I'm excited for you that you have a ski course. But we tend, we wait until the conversation's over and then we just sort of lob just like a, like I'm not really going to tangle with you about it, but must be nice. That's a, such a vague, general sort of put down. That's not rejoicing with those who rejoice. That's not weeping with those who weep. That's hoping those who are rejoicing will start weeping. Like, let's learn to rejoice. But it takes a level, it takes a level of relationship that is high. It takes a high level of relationship to be able to celebrate with someone. Honestly. This is, there, there is, a, what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 12, this is, this is real stuff. I read a few things this morning and it didn't really bless me. I read a few comments on an article that I had read. And you know, the comment section of anything is just like, it's like the gutters. When, when uh, we first did like plumbing and humanity figured out like let's do plumbing things will always flow downhill and we put we did open sewers and so things just sort of that's what the comment section is of anything it's like the open sewers and i saw on this these comments these it's just negativity gone to seed and it's calling into question everything just and it's it's easy cuz you're just like I don't even have my real name out there. I'm just something BB Knox 93. Nobody knows who that is. I can say whatever I want. It's what we're talking about here at church, what we came together, I, I thought this while we were singing this morning. This isn't, this is not a club. This is not an emotional hype experience. They exist. If you want one, you can find them very easily. They exist. This is not what Paul's writing about. This is not what we're talking about. This is not the gospel that we carry to the world. It's not hype. It's not just feel goodness. Because you know that when someone, when we leave this life, it's for real that we leave it. So this belief system that we have, the instructions Paul gave us here, these are deep, concrete things. These are real concepts. This is a real thing. Let love be without hypocrisy, which means if Paul gave us that instruction, we can do it. We can let love be without hypocrisy. Ain't gonna be a light switch moment. We shifted that metaphor all around there. It's not gonna be, we're not gonna abhor that which is evil overnight, but these are doable things and they're real things. Your relationship with Jesus, if you're here today and you believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a child of an eternal God who created the heavens and the earth from nothing. He always was, he is today, and always will be. This isn't negotiable. There's a whole bunch of weirdness in the world, in the church and in the rest of the world. But what we're looking at here in the little body of Revelation Rock here in Pettisville is real things. This is a real concept, a real thing. We can rejoice with those who rejoice in an authentic way. It's, because if it's not authentic, as my friend Danny Markley always likes to remind me, you know the Lord knows not only your thoughts, but the intents of your thoughts. I think he means it as an encouragement, but it doesn't always come off that way. <laughs> because 
That was out of, I ripped that out of context. That's true. But as if it's not authentic and genuine, it's irrelevant. In fact, it's a lie. If it's not genuine, if you're like, I'm going to rejoice with you, but it's not genuine, it's a lie. It's not worth doing anything at all. But it's possible to do this. Now, how do we do this? This is important. Well, Romans chapter six, Romans chapter, or Philippians four, verse six says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, this is the second part of what I want to look at this morning. How, how do we get to the point where we rejoice with those who rejoice? It's like, there's got to be a way that when, when Joel tells me about some great big job that he just got, it's going to be a great job for their company, and he's really excited about it. And on my end, all I'm looking at is like, well, my world fell apart. How can I get to a point where, as a believer, I can genuinely rejoice with him in that victory? Now, that's just that's a physical victory. I understand that, church. The gospel's much bigger than jobs and all that stuff, but it's also part of this stuff. And this is where I want, I want to look at this. In verse 6 of Philippians chapter 4, it says, By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now, thanksgiving is a, it's not super popular. Other than, I mean, the day holiday is, but not for actual gratitude reasons. It's just a thing. It's like an event to not work and get cheap stuff on Friday. But what we're talking about here is not that. We're talking about with a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of gratitude. Now, uh, Paul was not all-knowing. You know that. We know that Paul was not omniscient. When he wrote this, he may have not been actually aware that many of the people he was writing it to were going to be fed to the lions in the next 20, 30 years. He didn't probably know that, but does that make this not true? Like, should we just kind of scrap some of this? It's like, ah, like it didn't work out well for them. So let's, no, it was true. The truth that's in Scripture is greater than any of that. It's greater than being eaten by lions or winning. It's greater than all that. So that reality that we can be full of thanksgiving as we let our requests be made known to God and then experience the peace of God which surpasses even our natural understanding standing guard over our hearts, that reality is true regardless of our circumstances. It has to be or else Paul was wrong. But how do you do that? How do you maintain thanksgiving in the midst of difficulty or grief when the world's kind of falling apart when things don't go the way that you believe that they should go. And I think this is kind of where the church has gotten to the point. This is a little bit of, I'm just painting a little backstory here. This is a little bit of how we've gotten to where we only present our requests to God and weep with those who weep. It's like, I don't really know how to do the Thanksgiving thing all the time because what if we pray for something and then we don't see that, or it doesn't pass. Like, how are we supposed to be thankful then? So let's just can the whole Thanksgiving thing, the whole rejoicing with those who rejoice, and we'll just present our request to God, and we'll just weep with those who weep. Because in large part, we've lost sight of the magnitude of the gospel. We've lost sight of how big the gospel is. You see, the gospel has no end either. Our God has no beginning, and he has no end. He always was, he is, and always will be. And the gospel is and always will be and began, began in Genesis, but we see it really come to earth in the person of Jesus, and it will have no end. The magnitude of that, that's, that's the foundational part of your heart of thanksgiving, that's the thing when no matter what, you can be grateful. You set that point in your life, in your heart, in your mind. You say, no matter what, cannot be taken from me. And it's eternal. It will last forever. It's the greatest thing. Now, you say, so that's it. Like, we just, that's the biggest part of it. But from that, I want to, this is, there's, I got a lot to share. I hope we can get through some of this. 
from that starting point, which is where we always start from, is the gospel. The good news of Jesus to a lost person, to us as a lost person. That gospel continues. That's where we get joy from. Joy isn't circumstantial. Joy, we've talked about this before, is the, it's in the Greek, it's the word kara, which is a sister to the word charis, which is grace. Unmerited, unearned. Joy isn't earned around us. It's not like everything's going great, so I'm happy. That's happiness, which comes from happen. That's another message for another time. But when we establish that the joy of the Lord comes from being right with the Father, established in the person of Jesus Christ, now we're set up to be grateful for all kinds of stuff. And this is, this is an interesting, interesting thing. I want to read a little story, and then I got a couple things I want to talk about. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19 I'm just going to read this. Follow along. You can find it when we get there. And when you get there, follow along. Now it happened as he, being Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. So it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. He fell down on his, feet, fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I titled, I always, I, that passage in my book and I title it as the story of the grateful Samaritan. We always, when we think of famous Samaritans, who's the Samaritan you think of? The good Samaritan, which is a good story. But this guy is the grateful Samaritan. He's the one among the others and he saw the value of gratitude. Now, there's a, there's a side note in here and we're not going to dig into this deep, but what did Jesus tell him to do? Enter a certain village. He met 10 men who were lepers. They stood far off. They lifted up their voices. And he saw them. He said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. So it was that when, somebody shout out, when were they healed? As they went. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, now, he returned with a loud voice, glorified God, gave thanks to Jesus. You think he ever made it to the priests? That boy turned around. He's like, I am healed. Now, we don't know what happened with the other guys, but I love that he turned around. He's like, go show yourselves to the priest. As he was going, he was healed. When he was healed, he's like, hey, I got to go back and say thank you. He may have went to the priest later, but I love that, that little side note. What does Jesus think of Gratitude. I look at this story, I was thinking about thanksgiving, giving thanks, maintaining that. And it's, Jesus has such high value on gratitude. Such high value. He places such a high, one of them when he saw he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. He wasn't even a Jew Jesus answered and said, where's everybody else? Nobody else thought to give thanks, just this foreigner? You see, God's interested in the little things. We start from the position of being grateful because of our eternal position given to us by Jesus. But how many of you know we got a lot of other things to be thankful for too? As humans, we have this gift of fixation. Uh, we fixate on certain things. Uh, I had, this was a long time ago, but there was, I don't know, it was soon after Nick decided, got this wild idea that we would put our sermons online. And there was some feedback of them online. It was like, all of them was really good. It was, everybody was like, oh, that was really good. You know, and whether I believed them or not, I'd, but they were like, that was really, there were a lot of positives. And there was one negative one. And I don't know who any of the posts were from anybody. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is that one negative one ate my lunch. 
One negative review from someone I have no idea who they were. Maybe you're still here. <laughs> I'm guessing by the review that you're not. But that one negative review, you can have a hundred, a hundred friends and 98 of them say nothing but good things about you. But you got that one or two that come in and they may not even say a negative thing, but they cast doubt. And what do we think of? I don't have any good friends other than the 98 good ones. Yeah, you got two that maybe you're not sure of. But it's those two that get all of our attention. How similar is this as a believer? We're all sitting here right now. If we were to bring a whiteboard up here, and Trey kind of did it last week with a microphone. If we were to say, what are, like, what's some areas we can be thankful to God for? I could ask that question right now. We get a couple hands. Church, there's no reason if I said, and I'm not, this isn't, don't anyone pick any offense up. This is for me also. If I was to say, does anybody have anything uh, that you know, they're thankful to God for this morning? It's like, oh, somebody's going to be thankful here in a minute. Somebody. Oh, Jane's got one. She's got something. In a room this size with this many people, we all are sitting up. We're all breathing air. We are, there's no police officer outside looking for us. There's not, we have food to eat. We've eaten food in the last day somewhere. There's, well, why didn't all of our hands go up? Well, because of the hundred things that we've prayed about in the last week, there's two that we're not sure about how they're going to pan out. And so we're sitting there thinking, I'm not sure, Lord. If you show up on those two, then I'll raise my hand. The little things. God's interested in the little things. There was a, a moment a couple of weeks ago that the Lord really, he got my attention very seriously during church. And uh, Taya was with me, sitting at the back, uh, on this side. And I had a lot of things on my mind. I was trying to sort through, I was solving most of the world's problems during worship. And a uh, bunch of thoughts in my head. And Taya kept tapping me on the leg. Then she grabbed my hand. And I'm like, what, what do you need? What do you need at this point? Particular point in time, is there anything that you need? And she said, Dad, this is during worship. She said, Dad, I think I'm going to paint my nails this afternoon. <laughs> and I just looked at her. And in a moment, I was like, what are you, like, right now? This is like, we're worshiping the king of kings. We're together. We're trying to solve things. We got computers not working. And we're like, ah, you know what, sweetheart? That'd be great. Why don't you paint your nails? Like, if she would have said she was going to paint her face, I would have said, great, go for it. And I stood back up. And I was standing there. And, and the Lord, I mean, all but physically took a hold of me. And he's like, that's how I feel about you. I care about those things. I care if you want to paint your nails today, Taya. The little things, church. How many little things do we skip right over? And we say, we, we're not sure if we can be uh, filled with gratitude and thanksgiving when we bring our request to the Father because there's this one thing that I'm not sure how it's going to pan out. Or maybe I don't understand how this one area didn't work. Now, there's the other 9,000 things in our lives that are going swimmingly. I mean, just amazing. We've got tons of things to be thankful for. In the natural, like I'm not even just talking about that cornerstone, pinnacle part of being born again and made right with the Father. There's a thousand other things where it's like, well, God's really faithful in all of these areas. But the one thing, it's like, wow, oh, I'm not real sure about that one thing. So then what do we do as humans? Because we have this unique ability to fixate on things, we sit down, we read our Bible, and we're like, Lord, I don't even know if you answer prayer anymore. Well, it's, and from the Lord's perspective, it's like, my child, number one, there's a whole bunch you don't understand right now. Number two, um, I've been answering your prayers all over the place. We've been instructed to make our requests known to God with thanksgiving. When we understand, number one, as I just said, the magnitude of the gospel, man, thanksgiving, you can stand in line for execution and you can be thankful. 
not for that line. But when you understand the greatness of this gospel, everything pales. You know, um, the little things, the natural things, like this leper being healed, that was a big thing in the natural for him, but in the scope of eternity, it was minuscule. And, you know, everything, <laughs> everything in our earthly lives, when measured in the scope of eternity, is a small thing. Everything. You say, you don't understand my problems. I may not, but I assure you, if they are natural in nature, they're small. They're small. Because he defeated death, has the keys of hell and the grave, and gave you everything. I'm sorry, what was the problem that was bigger than that? All fear, and we've talked about this, all fear ultimately has its roots in fear of death. If that fear is removed, we haven't been given a spirit of fear. We've been given one of power, love, and a sound mind because that spirit of fear is tied to the spirit of death. And when death has been, that fear of death has been removed, it's like, oh, oh, well, I'm free to live then. If you don't have the fear of death, if you can confidently look at someone and say, I'm like, I'm good to go. Not looking to leave early, but I'm good to go. I'm at peace. That's peace that what? Passes understanding. Because someone can look at you, say, but after you die, then your life will be over. And if this has just started. This is just like a moment. We understand the magnitude of the gospel. We understand that all these things are small. And I know that I'm probably not painting this the clearest because there is this, the dichotomy is the study of two, the understanding two. And so there's the magnitude of the gospel, which gives us the ability to be thankful in all things. And then there's also these, all these tiny things, anything in our life is considered tiny in the scope of eternity. All these things where we are tremendously blessed and all these things to be thankful for, we gloss over them and we, we tend to fixate on the one or two of those small things that we're like, oh, we're not real sure. We prayed for healing in this situation and it, it didn't happen. Yes, that's one of maybe a thousand things we prayed for where we're not sure what happened. God is so faithful and there are a thousand things we don't understand that does not change God's faithfulness and our ability to be grateful, to complete that circuit. I think about this circuit being completed, and we're gonna be wrapping up here in the next 25 minutes. When I think about that circuit being completed, I see this, um, you, you remember when you were, I don't even know what grade, you know, when you're homeschooled, grades are all, it's kind of a blur. But I remember you, when you learned about the water, you know, it's like, where does water start? It's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Does it start in the sky or start in the ocean? But whatever. It goes from the ocean into the atmosphere, comes down as rain, snow, sleet, what have you, just plain humidity here in Ohio. And then it goes into the streams, goes streams into the river or to the lakes or the seas and the oceans, and then it goes back up, and it's a circle, Right? And the, the Word of God reveals that that's a picture of the Word of God, that when the Word of God comes, it does its thing. Water comes down from heaven and it does its thing. It waters the plants. It gives, does whatever it's supposed to do. The Word of God's the same way. But I see this picture, this circle, this, this round and round. That's a picture that I get of how this gratitude and rejoicing and being able to weep with those who weep. Because there are things in this life that are hard. There are things, you know, Jesus didn't pray that we'd be removed from this world. We're here. Things are hard. He said there's, in this life there's going to be problems, but I have, we can take heart. We can be encouraged to, to be able to remain, to be grateful in this remaining. And as we are grateful, that circuit is completed. It's fellowship. 
making our requests known when we are grateful is a very natural thing. As we spend time, as we did last week, we're running out of time, we're not gonna do it today, but we'll probably do it again next week. As we spend time giving thanks for things, it makes it a lot easier to come in here with a request. I was just using this as an example. Our lives are the same way. If all we do is give requests, we talked about this, if it's just request after request after request, and then it's like, hey, somebody, this is bad news, so we, let's go weep with these people who are weeping. You're not gonna come in here and think, wow, I really wanna share my request. <laughs> but when you come in and it's dominated by, hey, you just wanna shout out, the Lord is super faithful, I got the opportunity to have this, Danny shared with us about his job. And there's been all kinds of physical miracles. And when you take the, have the courage to say, hey, you know what, I got to see this clearly. Man, I, I was like, can I share my request here? I wanna share, I wanna share my request. He's like, look at all of these ways that God is answering prayer. If we make much of that, gratitude becomes even easier. I think about this Philippians passage. Philippians chapter four, where it says, let your gentleness be known, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your graciousness or gentleness be known to all men. The Lord, he's at hand. You know, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will stand guard over your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is a natural thing. We read this, and several of you, we've talked a lot in depth about this passage, and it's like, oh, that looks really hard. How do you be anxious for nothing? And we can preach sermons on it. It's like, hey, nobody be anxious, and we'll try really hard to not be anxious. That's not what... Paul wasn't writing that as like, a, this is the hardest thing you'll ever do, so try hard to not be anxious. He was actually, this was a description of what naturally occurs. It's, you, it is natural. When we start out, we rejoice in the Lord. It's like, Lord, I am rejoicing in the Lord as you are in the Lord. When we start out rejoicing in the Lord, oh boy, it's easy to be gentle, isn't it? And to be gracious, it's like the Lord is at hand. The Lord is here. Being anxious for nothing, but when we approach, when we see that anxiousness sneaking in, we turn, it's like, ah, I'm gonna pray about this. I'm gonna pray, not just pray like, Lord, please, we really super need this real bad. No, I'm gonna pray with thanksgiving. Start out, pray with thanksgiving. By the time you're done thanking God for everything he's done in your life, it's like, also, there's a couple of issues. I'd like to just... I know you know about them, but I'd, I'd like to let you know these are important to me, these issues. Obviously, it's not greater than what you've just been thankful for. It becomes easy. It flows just like that water circle. It just flows. It's natural to bring your request to the Father. And then what is that? It's natural to experience the peace of God because you've, we've focused on the magnitude of the gospel we're rejoicing in the Lord. Then we make our request known with thanksgiving. We've chosen, I'm not gonna do anxious. We're just gonna pray, and we're gonna pray with thanksgiving in our hearts. This is, this is another application of what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 12. This is instructions for us today as Christians. Like, while we're here on this earth, this is important. This is like, I wanna do this. I wanna know this. I wanna have... How many people want the peace that passes understanding to guard your heart and mind? That word guard, it's, there's a picture of a sentinel. Like if we were all in the military and we're all standing guard somewhere, we're making camp for the night. How many, you know, somebody gets chosen for guard duty. I want that guy on guard to be the peace of God, which nobody, it's so supernatural that nobody understands it. It's like, why are you okay right now? <laughs> See, you got to know my Jesus so you'd understand. Now, this, this past week, and I would have asked him if I could use this story, but he is with the Lord now. A friend of mine passed away this past week. And uh, he knows Jesus very well. And he's with the Lord and somebody asked him, and I'm not going to quote who because I don't remember the details. I don't want to get it wrong. But somebody asked him, like, are, he was, the doctors, everybody had given up. And somebody asked him, it's like, you know, are you, are you afraid? Are you fearful? Are you, where are you at with this? Got this big smile on his face. 
And he says, I'm not afraid. This has never been my home. And they just stood there. And I don't know all the details of what happened next, but you can see on these people's faces who it's like, we're prepared for terror, for fear, for anxiety to be met. It's like, well, but... So you, you have peace? Absolutely. This is not my home. It ain't never been my home. What's wrong with this man? Not on drugs, not on a bunch of stuff. Not, it's just like, no, I'm not. I'm at peace. When we understand Philippians chapter 4, and we walk that, it's a natural flow. Start out with verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Everything else is like water falling from heaven. Your gentleness will be known to all men when all you can do is rejoice in the Lord. When you realize the Lord is at hand, the Lord's here now. I'm not going to be anxious for anything. Remember what I said? The Lord is at hand. I'm going to make my request to him. I'm going to be thankful because I know what all he's done for me. I'll let my request be made known to God. There's nothing, I'm not going to not make my request be made known to God, but I'm going to make them with thanksgiving. And then the peace of God will stand guard over our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. When the only communication that we have with anyone, this is not exclusive to our relationship with the Father, but I want us to think about this. When the only communication we have is asking or begging, making our requests known, that's where relationships go to fail. When, all, when, when there's no fellowship, see, fellowship's two-way street. It's not just one way. Um, I'm in, I have a small business, and um, there, there's sometimes people that, it's just all they. It's just needs, just wants and needs and needs and wants and wants and needs and needs and wants and, you know that works good, if when the bills are all paid, it's like you pay your bill and you got another. It's like it's a fellowship. That's a simple earthly metaphor, but it's like if all you do is want, and there's no back and forth fellowship, relationships go there and die. I'm not talking about losing your salvation or. Anything I'm talking about, relation, living relationship with the Father. If our relationship is reduced to vending machine with the Father, that's not a relationship. Relationships dry up there. Our requests, making our requests known to the Father, when we when we follow. I'll call it a formula, and I don't want anyone to throw that back at me because I don't mean formula, but when, we've, when we read Philippians 4 and we've, when we stick to that, I don't like formula or model really, but when you look at that scripture and you say, that's how I want to live my life, requests flow naturally. It's not, a, it's not a forced thing. It's not a demanding thing because most of all, we're rejoicing with thanksgiving. Like, that's the biggest thing. And it's like, there's some requests in there for sure, by all means. And when we understand that God's interested in the little things, it becomes easy to see his faithfulness. Because there's thousands of little things to be thankful for. Fellowship with the Father is to be consistent and frequent. This makes both thanksgiving and making our requests known a very natural thing and gives us the ability to rejoice with those who rejoice. This is how we get to that, church. This is the way we complete that circuit. We get to the point where we can rejoice with those who rejoice because God is so faithful for us. We're all wrapped up in who we are in Christ. It is so easy to rejoice with fellow believers. I think about conversations and 
everybody communicates differently with their spouse or their parents or the kids or whatever, but I think about the two relationships I think about is my relationship with my wife and my relationship with my dad. Uh, those two phone calls, which happen daily, all throughout the day, um, there's not a lot of explaining things. Because we talk often enough that I don't have to like explain to Melinda where I'm going, where I've been. Because we we've talked, like we talked four times and it's 10 a.m. But so it's like, are you done? She, she may answer the phone. Are you done with that job yet? Because there's no context there. What do you mean? What do you, well, I know that she knows what job I was working on. Same with my dad. If I pick up the phone, my dad knows generally where I'm at usually. Or he might say, well, yo, did you end up making it there yet? And it's, it's very natural in both of those relationships to be very thankful. I tell both of them thank you all the time because they're always doing things for me. And it's also very natural to say, hey, can you pick me up? Can you drop me off? Can you go get this? These conversations, they flow. They're constant. They're all the time happening. They're, it's, it's just, it's all the time now, if the only thing I ever told them was what I needed from them, it would not take real super long for Melinda to help me realize that I'm on my own solving the problems. <laughs> if that was the only conversation was like, I need you to do this, I need you to do that, I need you to do this, I need you to do that, and that's all it is, pick this up, do this, go there, do this. That's, that relationship would fizzle out so quick. But when my communication with her is full of thanksgiving and general information and being grateful to her and for her. It's very easy. It's very natural for requests to be made. Now, I'm not comparing my dad and my wife. I don't want you to think like, well, I think of them like God. I'm using that as an example that when we get into that, into that place where communication is just flowing, it's constant, it's going all the time, the Bible talks about praying without ceasing. That's not sitting up here on our knees at the front of the church begging God for 24 hours a day. That is not what that's talking about. Praying without ceasing, it's constant communication. It's constant communion. There are times to get alone with the, with the Lord. You see Jesus himself doing it as the son of God, pulling away, say, I need, I, need to, I need to step back. I need to get away. I need to spend a little time. But you also see constant communication to the point where when he was, was at the 5,000 or the 4,000, he fed them, he takes the loaves and the fishes and he looks up to heaven. You know there's communication in a look. A great percentage of communication is nonverbal, which has always been hard for me because I like the verbal. But Jesus communicated with the Father with a look. He's like, Lord, we're doing this? Father, we, yep, all right, we're good to go. And he fed 5,000 people. Constant communication. It wasn't like the Lord, his Father, and I know this is difficult to picture, just bear with me. It wasn't like, well, who are you and what are, what are we talking? He'd been talking already that day. They were in constant communication. It was just natural. It's like, Lord, yep, yep, good to go. I worked with a guy for a decade. Just two of us worked together. And we could finish each other's sentences and rarely did because we didn't have to. If that makes sense. We could finish each other's sentences. We almost never did because we didn't have to. One look from 200 yards away through two windshields and I knew exactly what he wanted or he knew exactly what I needed. Anybody worked with somebody for a long period of time, you get that where it's like, I don't have to, we don't have to talk about this stuff. We can just make it happen. That's communication. I spent two years on the wheat harvest and talk about communication. Buddy, you gotta have communication. You got seven to 11 combines all in one field with four grain carts and 13 truck drivers who learned to drive semi yesterday. <laughs> and it was like, it was, there was some chaos. I mean, and we're on roads that are like a billy goat path. And everybody thinks like, this semi will drive fast. Why not drive fast? <laughs> like, we're on the billy goat path. <laughs> the first part of that harvest experience. So we, we started down in, Texas and Oklahoma and traveled all the way up to the Canadian border or up North Dakota, Montana area. And in the beginning, we had radios. Everybody had two-way radio because there's very little cell service out there. And we, the beginning, I mean, the radio was a constant. Move, no, stop, wait. And you're walking on each other and nobody can communicate. Nobody understands. What it, and 
that's when almost all of the accidents happened, <laughs> was in the first part of the year. Because you're like pulling up to stuff and you're in the wrong spot and you don't know, oh, hey, the combine's full and stopped because we did not communicate well. But when, you, when I look back at those years on harvest, by the time we get up to the Dakotas, that radio could sit silent for hours and everything just works. Because everybody knew. We, there was all kinds of communication happening. It just wasn't all verbal. There was communication when I'd see an auger go out. It's like, hey, he's ready to unload. And I'd start boogieing that way in the grain cart. You know, you just, there was all kinds of communication. It was a natural flow of communication. And as the year progressed, even the radio communication, it was just fluid. You knew what everybody's words meant. You knew, this is what we're talking about with the Father. We've got this, there's this picture This thing has happened in Christianity where we've turned prayer into a, we're going to come up here and we're going to, or wherever you're at and you're, and we're just going to beg God. We're going to beg harder. And then we're going to try and maybe we'll beg with scripture. We beg with the right scripture. We'll get the right things. And we've lost so much of Christianity has lost this fellowship, this, this constant communication. And it's by prayer that we get back to and establish that. I went a little long this morning. If you would stand with me, I'd like to declare a blessing over us. It is a privilege and an honor to be here with you guys, to be able to bring the word of God. I appreciate your patience as I get wound sometimes, get a little bit long. I'm very grateful for each of you. We declare this morning that we are blessed and highly favored, blessed in the city and in the country. When we rise up, we are blessed. When we lie down, we are blessed. Church, we are blessed to be able to be in fellowship with the Father, giving thanks, bringing our requests to him, eternally secure as his kids. As we step into this week, may we step with the boldness of a lion, knowing that this world may be full of trouble, but our Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, has overcome the world. Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to open your word, to see little glimpses of instruction, some things that we can walk in. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to fellowship with you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you that you walk with us every step of the way. Lord, I thank you that you're always teaching us. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. Let's pray that you would breathe afresh and anew on this word this week for each of us as we study, as we spend time in it. Bring it to mind. Help us to share it with anybody that you would have us to. Lord, I thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you that you are always and only good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys have a wonderful week.